focus on who we are not, we're really saying to God, my limitations are greater than your power and strength. Father, I pray that we would focus on how awesome you are and that you are greater than any situation that we could ever find ourselves in. And Father, I pray for everyone who uh, has joined us today. Father, may our limitations drive us to you, not away from you. May the incredible lyrics that we've just sung, may they be true for us and that we would give praise to you, that we put our hope and trust in you and in you alone. May our limitations drive us to you to know that you can cause all things to work together for good to those who draw to you. Father, we commit our day to you. I pray that you would speak uh, words of truth to us. I pray that uh, areas that need attention that we would give not just attention to it, but help us to respond with saying, yes, Jesus, may that be true in my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be seated. It is so good to have you. So today, yeah, come on up, Carl and Marilyn. So I want us, our focal passage today is found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 20. And in chapter 5, verse 18 to 20, it says, And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. Now think about this. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. It's talking about that we are now engaged with him. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So twofold, we reconcile, we're reconciled, we engage with God, and then we engage with others. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. Through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So what we looked at last week was this. Engagement is how one lives out their genuine faith. That our drive, our desire is that we engage with God. And the way we engage is how this plays out where we're pursuing Christ and, and giving him our, our all. And then we take it a step further. But here's where we were last week. Engagement begins with experiencing genuine faith, which is, which is faith in Christ alone. Two statements that we made that we ended with. God wants to be obvious in your life. That that is a, out of 2 Corinthians 5, all the way through, is saying God wants to be obvious in your life, and God wants you to make him obvious to others. So we closed with this statement. The greatest way that Satan tries to undermine your engagement is by convincing you that you are the center of the universe, the point of reference, and that God's role is to be your 24-7 cosmic consultant and personal genie. And so we are against that, by the way. So what I want to do is talk to Carl and Marilyn. I want them to share with you uh, some amazing things that uh, are going on in their lives. They live in Ireland. Uh, Carl, you go way back, though. Uh, tell about where the first time or what, 
how long have you been a part of Nuka family? So I was around Nuka when it started in the Yon's basement, and then it was at 17th and A, long time, 35 years, long time ago. Right, right. And um, I actually came to Christ as a freshman at the university. I had not encountered the gospel before then. So that was a life-changing event that led to that and a whole lot of other things afterwards. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And Marilyn, you have been a follower of Christ for a long time. I grew up in a Christian home, and that was a great foundation. And then um, when I was about 20 is when I decided, actually, I do believe this, and I want my life to be about following Jesus. And so I, on purpose, came to Lincoln to be part of the NAV ministry to grow and to learn how do I help other people meet Jesus. Wow. So that was when I was 20, about, I don't know when that fit, I guess maybe a year after you came to Christ. Yeah, so we met at the university a year or so after I'd come to Christ and a year or so after you decided you were going to get serious about that. Yeah. And have I mentioned that changed everything? It changed everything. <laughs> we met in food, can I just say, we met in Food Barn on 16th and South. Anybody remember that? Food great, Barn, anybody? Great meat anybody? market in the 80s. Yeah, we met in the rice aisle, actually. So for a long time around that date, we would have rice for a week and our children would roll their eyes. You had to commemorate the event somehow. Absolutely. Could it not be the chocolate aisle? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, could you not have met in the chocolate aisle? They wanted to know. <laughs> so you, uh, a lot has transpired. You, Carl, you were here last year, and we've also sent a group to see you guys a couple years ago. So in this past year, kind of catch us up to speed. What's been going on in both of your lives? Sure. So you remember, may remember, I certainly <coughs> remember being here a year ago in May, and we had a great few days together, and I stood on the stage and told some stories, and showed some photos. So we're still engaged in that same relational work to help people who would never encounter the gospel in a place where it's hard to find to help those people encounter the gospel by walking into their lives and having a relationship. So that's basically what we do. We, and I come to the States every once in a while. We both do. We have aging parents in Colorado and Arizona. So part of what we've been doing is helping our siblings to look after our parents make decisions about that. But on this occasion, we're in the States for six months, which is part of our regular rhythm um, with the organization that we work with. And I feel like I should say, I always neglect to say this. Okay. Yes. Um, the organization we work with is actually supported by this church. So people may or may not know this, but this church is part of a network of churches that makes contributions to an organization that provides our financial support as overseas workers. And we're grateful. Thank you. We appreciate all that you do. So you work for us. Well, yeah. Is that what you're saying? If you right. want to see it that way, little then okay. did I know that they went that far. <laughs> I could make a case for it being the other way around, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not doing that. At oh. your service, we are. Oh, great. So uh, let me tell you why uh, we have Carla Mary, other than they're amazing people and part of the New Cup family. <clears throat> And correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe correct me later. Okay. Uh, so Ireland is, is a way ahead of the United States in terms of post-Christianity. And, and so they're experiencing uh, probably, my guess is they're experiencing what, where, new, where the United States is headed. And it's becoming more and more difficult to share Jesus and it's becoming less and less uh, Christian-centered, if, if you could even say that at all. Absolutely true. And so one of the things that we want to do as a church is to be proactive. Troy was talking about you know, how, do we, 
how do we work within a, the current system, even a, a little bigger picture than that? We're having discussions going, if, if, if the, the United States is headed in, in a direction that it seems to be going, how do we become 2 Corinthians 5? How do we share Jesus? How do we represent him? How do we point people to him? And so Carl and Marilyn, we can learn from them. So this is uh, why I wanted them, uh, you to have an opportunity to hear directly from them. So Marilyn, when we, we met earlier this week and hung out for a little while, you talked about the blessing of COVID. I don't know if you remember that. I do, but I think I would reword it. Okay. I would say that it, has, it provides maybe um, unexpected possibilities. So I don't think a pandemic is a blessing okay. in, in that sense, because I know there's a lot of horrible grief and loss and, and worry around it. So, but, but I would switch that around to be an unintended blessing in, or unintended possibilities. Because I think what it does is it has shaken up the way that we've come to see as normal, whether it's at work, school, church, neighborhood, just life in general. It has, it has forced us to lose some things and to have to step back and reevaluate some things. And I don't think that's necessarily bad because I think we can always get into ruts that are neither helpful nor useful anymore. And so to be forced out of that is a great possibility. And actually, I was, since we spoke, I, I have been reading Jeremiah and came across a passage where he is told by the Lord to go to the potter's house. And it's a very different situation than what we're facing here. But I think there's an interesting principle there that he, he, asked, he puts Jeremiah in a context and says, I want to speak to you there. So Jeremiah goes and he just observes the potter. And from what he observes, God gives him insight, instruction, and warning. And I wonder how much of that is relevant to us today, that we are in a context, and how can we observe and learn and be instructed and maybe even warned? So I think it actually has some, some great unintended possibilities. Mm -hmm. yeah. It makes me think of First Thessalonians 5.21 that says, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. So I think something like this, you know, a lot of people view the pandemic as an obstacle, a problem, and it is a problem, but I think you can also view it as an opportunity for possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think something like this exposes irrelevance, mm -hmm. and it, it's a great chance for us to really examine what's working, what is God saying, what could we change? And so I, I think that's good. It's an un unintended benefit right. of something yeah. that's not a good thing. So the phrase, God wants to be obvious in your life, and God wants you to make him obvious, mm -hmm. how does that play out on a day-to-day -day basis for you? How should we start? <laughs> so there's so much we could say there. Um, so I think I'd start by saying um, we view our lives as our greatest asset. So say the fact that we... Time. We view our lives as our greatest asset. So it's not some strategy, even though we do strategies. It's not money, even though that's important. But it's our lives planted in a certain place. So we, we happen to, you could look this up on Google Maps if you want to. We live at number nine Honey Park Cottages in a place called Sally Noggin. It's like a fairy tale location. Well, this, it sounds like a fairy tale, but it's actually not at all like that in real No, life. not at all. But it has a very enchanting sound. So that's our address, and we have neighbors. It's a cul-de-sac, sort of. It's kind of a, not a very nice part of the city. 
but that's where God has placed us. So we've gotten to know our neighbors. And we, so our, our perspective has been straight out of 2 Corinthians 5, actually. We want to be ambassadors for Christ in that situation. We're not doing anything that anybody else couldn't do in your own neighborhood or at your workplace or wherever you shop or wherever you spend your time. So we want to make Christ obvious in that place, in that neighborhood with those people. And those people, by the way, none of them are followers of Jesus and none of them have access to the gospel unless somebody deliberately steps into their lives who's a bearer of the gospel. So that happens to be us in that particular and situation. that's where our lives are our best asset because it's our lives that have been changed by Jesus. You know, he's the one who's transformed our, our desires, our values, our, our way of relating, our hope, our trust. I mean, he's, it's our lives that are changed. So it's, that's why our lives are our greatest asset. Yeah. So our starting and place is... present in our lives. Yeah. 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 Our starting place is relationship with those people. Our starting place is not, um, you need Jesus, even though they do. Our starting place is relationship. Our starting place is every night, every Thursday night, soup night at our house. The yeah, doors yeah, are yeah. open. Talk about soup night. We invite the neighbors in. And we've, so we have a collection of eight or ten non-believers who are a lot of fun <laughs> around our table most Thursday nights. Marilyn makes a pot, or she's especially motivated. She makes two pots of soup. And we eat soup, and we talk around the table. It's really simple. It's not fancy. Yeah. And sometimes if the conversation is kind of not going anywhere, we'll, we'll pose a question like, um, where would you go tomorrow if you could go anywhere? So, you know, it's nothing fancy or spiritual, but it, it kind of cultivates this below-the-surface conversation where we get to know each other and we hear about each other's lives. And over time, that becomes more and more of a, um, a safe place to be honest. And so I was telling you this story of how that kind of got to play out for us with one of our neighbors who talked about concerns she had for one of her 20-something daughters. And so she had shared that one night at soup night. And she, by the way, loves soup night so much that when she's running late at work, she says, I got to go. I got to go. It's soup night. Don't make me stay late tonight. (laughs) So she loves it. It's community for her. So she was being honest about where her daughter's at. And then a few weeks later, she was there kind of towards the end. And I asked her, how is her daughter doing? And told me more. And um, I told her, I don't know what this means to you, but I, I do pray for her. And I also pray for you because I know it's tough as a parent when you're watching your child go through anxiety and difficulty. And I said, can I, can I pray for you right now? And we, our conversation had gotten to where it was quite personal. And so she said, right now, here? And I said, if you're okay with that, I, I would be up for that. And she said, nobody's ever prayed for me before. Wow. What do I do? And so I said, well, let's just talk to God and I'll share with him some of these things. He's heard it already, but let's ask him for help. And um, she wept through that whole thing. And, um, and then we had to leave the country, so it was really sad <laughs> to walk away from that. But we'll go back and we'll pick up where we left off. But I also believe God is at work since then in her life in ways I can't wait to hear about. But it was a beautiful moment for me to be able to observe somebody experiencing God in a way that was very clearly of him for the first time. She's probably experienced God in ways she hasn't connected those dots, but she was connecting those dots. There was a deep moving in her spirit that just moved her to tears and awareness of a God who cares about her. And I I got to be in on that. 
you know, I'll serve soup forever if that's the kind of thing that comes from it. So what would have happened if our starting place was come to church with us? She would have said, absolutely not. Don't knock on my door again. That would have been a waste of time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you've lived, where, what's the name of the, the little Sally Noggin, Honey Park Cottages. Honey Park Cottages. You've lived there how long now? Well, we lived there for two years. Um, so we've, re- we've moved there to that particular house pretty recently. Yeah, but we've lived in that section of the city for a long time. 16. Okay, yeah. yeah. So if, if there's authentic relationships, because that's what you're talking about, is the, the importance of not just experiencing God, but, the, but drawing a, a, the next line of, of, of authentic relationships with yeah. others. How did you get to that point where you invited, where you had the chips to invite people to your Excuse me, I should say chips, since you're okay. serving salad, I mean soup. So, yeah. But how, how did you have the credibility to invite people into your house? We just lived in the neighborhood like anybody else probably does in their neighborhoods. You know, we said hi, we borrowed tools, we shared tools. We, we actually threw a barbecue every summer. Um, for the two summers that we were there, we said, hey, guys, you want to pull your barbecues out in the street and um, do a party together? And they were like, yeah. It was as if they had never thought of that. What a great idea. So for two summers in a row, we threw the best it was. street party you've ever seen. It resulted in late night dancing that went on and on and on. It was actually really it was, fun. It was great. But, so that was kind of part of our um, capital, social capital with them, is that we, we kind of inserted ourselves into the neighborhood in ways that was very social and people were up for. Oh, well, we inserted ourselves by throwing the party. So Irish people love a party. I bet there are a lot of Nebraskans who love a party, too. No no kidding. I wouldn't be surprised. So if you you had an opportunity to speak further into New Cove's life, what would would you say? What's the first thing you would say? If you're going to neighbor well, here, try this. Start this. And and let's assume that, that we have lived in our neighborhood long enough that we should know the names of the people around us, but not necessarily know the names. What would you say? Go ahead. I, that's a big question, but I think, for one thing, it's okay if you don't know your neighbor's names yet. If you haven't missed your chance. It's okay to have to start from zero. And, and it's risky. You don't know what's going to happen next, and so, in a way, you just, first of all, you start praying that God would direct you because it really needs to be of him, not just um, new behavior that I'm going to begin propelling myself into. So I would say first thing to do is start asking God, how should I proceed? Where should I proceed? Um, Show me opportunities. Open my eyes to things that are maybe happening that I can begin to do differently or do more or begin and then, and then go with that. And it's risky. You don't know where that's going to go. It might not go anywhere, and that's okay. But a lot of this stuff takes a long time. So um, this is kind of getting to be a longer answer. But no, no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll circle into a landing here pretty soon. But I think one of the things that I have, begun, have come to live by over the years is the belief that the kingdom of God is like Jesus said it is. And he's said it's like a lot of things. So... The good news is that there's much scope for God's kingdom to be manifest in our lives in many, many different ways. So there's not going to be a formula or here, try this. Soup night is not the new silver bullet. It's just what it was for us. So the kingdom of God is like yeast in the dough. So you put yeast in dough 
and it gets completely embedded. You can't see it anymore. You can't pick out the bits of yeast and have it be out of the yeast anymore. It gets completely incorporated. And so it's not just that, it has impact. So over time, the dough grows and it has impact and it's not the same anymore. And so I feel like that's our role. And for anybody, there's potential for the kingdom of God to manifest that way where you embed yourself into whatever the context is, figure out what's going on around me and how do I become part of that and either contribute or offer or join in. How do I embed myself into the dough where I'm placed and then be patient? Because it takes a while for the yeast to rise and have impact. And so I, I need to continue to pray and trust God that what he's doing, whether I can see the impact of it or not, is effective for his kingdom to be able to start to show up. Um, so that's, that's, I guess, a broad idea, but practically... You know, what's happening around you, what's going on in your neighborhood or your workplace that you might be able to become a part of with non-believers. Um, I think we tend to look for believers as a safe space, and that's completely needed and understandable. But how can I step out of that to put myself around the non-believers? When we first moved to Dublin, uh, I was looking for running buddies because I didn't want to have to run alone. And... Um, Somebody who was a believer who knew me at the school where our kids were at said, oh, I know some other believers who go running together. And I thought, no, that's not what I'm looking for at all. I mean, I didn't say that to her, but I thought, I, I absolutely don't want to find a bunch of believers to run with. I want to find the non-believers who run because then we're living life together. We're on this parallel path, and that's where opportunities can happen. It's just amidst natural life as I'm embedded in the dough, <laughs> like, like yeast. And I think... My advice would be, throw a party. Invite, look around you. What's going on in your neighborhood? Participate in it. Throw a party. And that may involve making more time for your non-believing neighbors you don't know very well, which may mean less time for church activities or the other stuff that Christians typically get involved in, which are good things. Um, but sometimes you have to deliberately carve out space in your life for non-believers if you're going to be an ambassador in that world. Mm -hmm. And I believe God has called us to be ambassadors. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, let me start with you, Marilyn. <clears throat> when we met earlier in the week, you talked about um, a main dish and mm -hmm. side dish mm -hmm. that the church, uh, I will, I'll let you describe that, okay. but you talked about how there's been a switch between mm -hmm. main dishes and side dishes I'll okay. let her explain it, but it's okay. very interesting. Okay, well, a lot of my analogies are food analogies, so <laughs> it's easy for me to go there. But uh, I think that the kind of tendency is often to see, when you think of evangelism, you know, trying to represent the gospel to people, often the, the approach has been to see bringing them to an event, whether it's church or some other big event that the church is putting on or the Christian community is putting on, that that's the main dish. If I could get my non-Christian friends, neighbors, colleagues to come to this main event, that's my main dish. I'm going to put my effort into that and my, my hope and my, my, that's my, um, my process. And I have come to turn that on its side where I would see the main dish is the relationship the, the everyday kind of things that we've been describing, that's the main dish. And the, the spice is these events and places where you can come where believers are gathering and there's a, a corporate witness. And 
You know, I really like cinnamon. I think it's a fabulous spice to put into your cooking, but I would never want a plate full of it. That would not be appealing. It would not work. I would rather use it as an accent into a main dish. And so I think if, if you see events and corporate gatherings and corporate worship as a, a spice, an augment, a, a highlight, a way to bring out the flavor of what you've been doing in the main dish of your relationship and your life on life, your ambassador work out in the, in the, in the real world, then a gathering of believers however large or small, is a wonderful augment to begin to add flavor to what they've seen in your life and to expand flavor for what they've seen in your life mm -hmm. rather than the other way around where cinnamon is the main dish and we have a little bit of sugar over here or, mm -hmm. or we have, we have um, oregano here, big plate of oregano, and then a little bite of spaghetti. You know, I wouldn't want to do it that way mm -hmm. with food. So I don't think we should do it that way in our, in our witness for Christ either. I also think in the, world we, in the world we live in, and I think the world you live in is going this way more and more, it's just harder and harder to invite people to come to an event mm -hmm. or invite them to come to church. I think mm -hmm. that will become less and less appealing to people. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I think that presents an opportunity, but it means we need to think mm -hmm. upside down often about these things. Well, our, yes, that... Mm -hmm that we're actually living out 2 Corinthians 5, yeah. mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you are the main event. You are the main dish. <laughs> so when you go home, tell whoever's at your house, hey, by the way, I'm the main dish <laughs> around here. That could uh, lead to things. Imagine where that could lead. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, that, to me, this, it's, so, it's so exciting because, and I'll land the plane on this one, because you've heard it, but it's so important to realize God has you exactly where he wants you because you are the main dish. Mm -hmm. and, and then the church is able to come along and add spice and, in, mm -hmm. and, to, and to equip and to make things happen. But I think that my, oh, my prayer so much is that we at New Cove come to realize that we represent Jesus Christ exactly where he has us and that we begin to start thinking process. Mm -hmm. I think you used the word proclamation the other day mm -hmm. that, that we think the proclamation is important and it is, but there's a process to get there. Yeah. yeah. And a so that was an illustration we discussed. So if you can, I was going to shine it on the screen, but I decided I'm going to try to explain it if that's okay. Absolutely. If you can imagine an ax, a vertical axis where you have preaching at the top and presence at the bottom. Okay. So you have that in your mind. Vertical, preaching at the top, present, presence at the bottom, and then a horizontal axis, and the two axes cross. So the horizontal has process on one side and event on the other. And I think in American Christianity and a lot of Western Christianity, we're pretty stuck on the preaching and event quadrant. Um, but actually, presence and process Mm -hmm. are also really important. And I think they become more important uh, the less Christian a culture becomes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it was interesting. Yesterday, we went to visit a friend of mine who I knew when I was here in college. So I think this process, this truth has been around for a long time. It's not coming. I think it already is and expanding. But she was in the dorms when I was in the dorms, and she reminded me, so this is 30 years ago, 
She reminded me. More than that. Okay, <laughs> 30 plus. <laughs> so Imagine where that'll go after this. Exactly. She reminded me that how we met was I knocked on her door and said, are you interested in looking at some stories about Jesus? And she said, my answer was, are you kidding <laughs> me? Really? Seriously? Not at all. But come on in, let's chat. So we chatted. We became friends. We did a lot of stuff together. We hung out. We, we did the process and the presence thing. And she came to Christ very dramatically kind of a year later. And she still walks with God through a, a lot of messy life. But the relationship with God is still there. But it was quite instructive to me that this has been something God has indicated to me as how he works for a long time. It's not like a newfangled idea. It's something he's been doing for a long time. And, and that was uh, interesting to hear her story again yesterday. That was how it worked for her. She said, if you had walked into me, if you hadn't been my friend, if you had just kind of said, okay, you're not interested and walked away, that would have been the end of it for me. Mm -hmm. But because you were my friend and you took me as I was and we lived life around each other, I began to see who Jesus could be and how I needed him. Wow. So. That's awesome. Our friend Jeff, uh, who attends here, says it's slow but urgent work. Yeah. And That's great. It, it, it is. It's a, the process is slow, but where we, we want them to, to see, I want, want Jesus to be obvious, mm -hmm. but the process is needed. That's exactly Yeah, so right. to be obvious, I need to be real as well. Yeah. I can't be the perfect church-going Christian because I'm not. And so part of being God being obvious in my life is me also being honest about things I struggle with and how I work with that mistakes I make and how, you know, redemptive my relationship with Jesus is and that. So that's being real is important. It's called real relationship, yeah. and it's a great tool for the kingdom. It's something yeah. God loves to use. Yeah. yeah. Typically, I close things like this saying, may we pray for you. Would you pray for us? Mm -hmm. That we, would, that we would be this kind of a church that says people matter and, and recognize that God has us exactly where he wants us mm -hmm. and that not only would Jesus be obvious in us, but, but mm -hmm. people would see that. Mm -hmm. Of course. I'll remind you, you may not need, need to be reminded, but when I was here a year ago in May, you were just starting a process. It was quite a high-profile pro process called... You gave it some fancy name, but it was kind of a bloom where you're planted emphasis, you know, wherever God has placed you. Mm -hmm. So I know you've been thinking about this yes. for a year and a half and probably long before that. So we'd love to pray for you. We'll both pray. Will yeah. We? Yeah. Okay. Pray for these dear people. Lord, thank you for New Covenant. Mm -hmm. Thank you for their history. Thank you for how they started. Mm -hmm. And I pray progress for these folks. I pray that their ambassadorial duties, Lord, would be at the top of the agenda. I pray the question, how can I meet my neighbors? How can I connect with my workmates? How can Jesus be obvious in my life to the people I'm around? How can that work, Lord? So I ask you to speak to these dear people and lead them and guide them in that way. Show them possibilities instead of obstacles in their workplaces and their neighborhoods. Lord, we give them to you. In Jesus' name, and we pray you'd bless them. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Lord, and I thank you for the ways that is happening, and I pray that you would encourage them in the ways that they are yielding to you and being used by you. I yeah. pray that the good works that you have started, that you would continue 
and that there would be perseverance there and encouragement for them. And I pray, Father, for, for hearts to listen to how you want to move them in new ways, um, new doors you want to open, new relationships to begin and develop. And I pray for wisdom as they move into those spaces to know how to proceed, to know how to reflect your ways, to know how to reflect your kingdom. Yeah. I pray for opportunities to connect the dots between how they live and why they live that way. I pray for opportunities for words and conversation to come as they um, proceed in their relationships around them. I pray that your spirit would move and be at work and that your kingdom would begin to manifest in yes, ways Lord. that um, are transformative and give you glory, give you pleasure, make your ways known. I, I ask that the result of all this would be that you are known and experienced and that your power is yeah. being experienced by people who haven't up till now realized who you are. Um, thank you for the focus here. Thank you for this value that's here. And I pray that you would work through it and um, manifest your kingdom in new ways in, in Lincoln. And that as they think through the implications of changes because of COVID, I pray that you would direct them, Lord, that you would show them how to proceed in new ways and open up um, whole new approaches that were not possible before things mm -hmm. were uh, shaken up. Use it for your glory, Father, and I pray that they would have ears to listen to what you want to speak and how you want to direct. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're a breath of fresh air to Nuka. Will you let them know? Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for your encouragement. Yeah. So uh, embrace your place was the phrase we were using. Oh, embrace sorry. your place. Bloom where you're planted. That's close. <laughs> so our worship team can come on back to the platform. Uh, while they do that, let me uh, ask you to take your phone, and if you will text the number 402-260-2400, there are uh, questions for you to respond. You just don't let this sit where it is but let it marinate, and the questions will help you to um, marinate well. Uh, the song that you're about to hear is all about process. That if we are going to embrace our place, and if we're to be ambassadors, uh, this next song is just, the lyrics are incredible, uh, talking about us focusing uh, our lives in the right direction. So let me pray for us. Uh, to receive uh, this next song. Father, uh, thank you for uh, Carl and Marilyn. Thank you that they uh, are being used not only on the other side of the world, but uh, you continue to bless New Cove with their presence and their energy and their insight and foresight. Father, I pray that you would help us uh, to take what has been heard, and we wouldn't just be hearers, only help us to... Uh, begin the process. As we listen to this next song, will you uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged? Will you convict us where we need to be convicted? Uh, Father, I pray that this next song would be used by you to uh, culminate what we've been talking about. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.